Well, good morning again. It's a beautiful time of the year. How many get up early on Sunday morning? Not too many. I do because I like to be here early and just getting my heart and just being in, in, in fellowship with him. I'm believing that the Lord has given me a message for, for you today, and we'll title it, What God Exalts. What does God exalt? Our text is going to be Luke 18, verses 10 to 14, but I wanted to read 1 Peter, 4, 1 Peter 5. Verses 5 to 7 as an introduction, because this is where we'll get our thought uh, kick off. And Peter wrote, uh, he wrote to the pastors in the fifth chapter, but if we read down in chapter 5, verse 5, beginning there, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Say that again. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. How many, how many have? You've heard this verse many times, probably. But... Every time I read it, it's, it's what it's saying to me. My part is to humble myself. In order to ask God for anything requires humility. There's a, there's a person that comes to mind. His name is not in the Bible, but Ecclesiastes, if you've ever read that, You'll find there in the chapters that there was a man that all he did was ever all he ever did was work. And he had basically he didn't have any family, so to speak. And he says he never asked. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the two different between pride and humility. And pride can be very subtle. Even just saying, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a humble man. That, 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 wait a minute. It, just in saying that is, oh, wait a minute. Yeah? We were talking this morning in the foyer. Moses came up, and he is mentioned in Scripture as he's the most humble man on earth. He was the most humble man. Yet he had issues. Yet he had weaknesses. But I think what I would agree with, what I would get from that is that God used him because he was, he humbled himself. When God said he, 
He was ready to destroy the people of Israel because of their disobedience, and on and on it goes. They tested him over and over. Moses interceded. He said, wait, Lord, Lord, Lord. You called them. He pleaded with the Lord. He changed the heart of God. And today I want to talk about this, this subject because there's a, there's a healthy pride, yet there's an unhealthy pride. A healthy pride, you can be kind of proud and the Lord helped you do something, you did a project, you can kind of be proud of it, but at the same time, you realize the Lord helped me. There's a kind of pride that I used to really struggle if anyone gave me a compliment. Right? Have you been there? And you like you say, well, it's, it's nothing. I'll try to do better. And you kind of try to, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just accept the compliment and say, thank you. Right? Because you know, you know where your strength is. But to acknowledge the person that gave you the compliment, you're acknowledging them saying thank you, that they cared enough to mention something. Does that ring the bell with anybody? Um, another one is when it comes to Pride, too proud to receive. And we were with missionary friends the other day, and they paid for the meal. They invited us, but they paid for the meal. Missionaries need money for their ministry. But they took it upon themselves, no, we're going to bless you. And we said, thank you. That's not very common. That doesn't happen like but learning how to receive oftentimes can be a pride thing because we don't want to accept. Sometimes it's pride because we don't want to accept help. Well, there's two guys in Scripture in the Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. These are, these are classics. Classic people, classic We've all heard of the word Pharisee. They were around when Jesus was on the earth. They kind of gained the reputation of being the teachers, the law holders, those who represented the law. And some of them, I'm sure, it went it went beyond even what Scripture was teaching and added a few things of their own. And so we read these verses that Jesus was talking about two men, verse 10, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. It was talking about prayer. And then he talks in verses 10 through 14, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer, now, tax gatherers were not popular either. It was not an easy job. People frowned upon them when they came around. 
They were often sometimes caught or labeled as they took a little extra for themselves. But these two guys are there, they're praying. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not like this other people. He just he could hear it in his voice. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. He's already making judgment. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. What do you think God was thinking? We read on, the tax gatherer standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled. But he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Isn't it good news to us that God saves sinners? God saves those who are obstinate, stubborn. But what keeps God from Touching people's lives could be the area of pride. Not willing to admit our need for God. Pharisee stood and bragged about himself. Was that really a prayer? It was more of mentioning what he did, what he accomplished. But humility turns it back onto the Lord, what he has accomplished, and what we can accomplish through him, and what he accomplishes through us when we bow our heart and in humility surrender. None of us are ever going to be lived able to live good enough or to be righteous enough to be worthy for the kingdom. Therefore, we need the Savior. And I'm so glad that a small child can understand their need for the Savior. For we have been born into this world with the nature to sin, with the nature to somehow we don't even have to teach children how to sin, do we? We just observe the selfishness thing sometimes in children. But we're all at times selfish. We're all at times want what we want, and that's it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 5, says this also. When you pray, he was talking, especially, I believe, to the 
Pharisee, those who had an ego. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by man. What is it about this? What is it that, what is it, why is this so dangerous? Because when we put our eyes upon ourselves and we begin to list, try to list all the things that we've accomplished, when we realize deep down inside that we could not do anything except for the Lord our God. We begin to, if the enemy would try to get anything on us, it would be something like this. Try to get it, our eyes off the Lord and on ourselves. Try to get us to stop praying and asking for God's help and just going and doing it in our own strength. We as humans can have sometimes a moment with God that God shares himself with us and he says to us in the privacy of our heart that he's more concerned about who we are inside first and foremost before we go and do anything for him. God is looking for a heart that is tender, that is willing to say, Lord, search me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. There is a pride that's healthy, we could be proud of our kids. We could be proud of our, you know, of our, of the work that you've done. That's an okay pride, but when it becomes an area where we cannot accept help or we have a hard time, comparing ourselves to others. The Lord made you as you are. And the Lord knows who you are. And he wants your heart to be all of his. He wants you to love him more than anything. He wants you to love his presence and long for him more than anything else. No one can live good enough. Oftentimes we don't feel good enough. And so we come before the Lord and say, I just empty myself. And be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a simple prayer. But that's a, that's a hard prayer. Admitting that I don't have it all together. Admitting that I need the Lord in all that I'm trying to do. Over in the little book of Philippians, chapter 2, you read these words 
Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. He says this, Paul was writing to the church. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Boy, wouldn't the world be a different place if that's the way people live more like Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I had a friend in Palisade who used to work with me and help me. We used to kid, he used to kid around and he said, I, I don't have I don't I only have a half a heart. He basically had a physical thing going on with his heart. He, he had medication all the time. Everyone thought he was gonna, you know, die young because he had a heart issue. That's where we assumed probably the way he'll go. But we had some good talks and I think he was really uh, trying to get his faith going and get get back in the the things of God, and you know, he, he was probably in his 40s then, maybe pushing 50. I was in my 30s, and he'd, he'd be sweating away and working, and he, he would tease me like, I'm not working you too hard now, am I? He'd just sweat rolling off him, and, and, and just kind of an interesting fellow. And um, he was one of those kind of guys that would irritate the truck. You know, the ready-mix driver would pull in, and, and he was an over-the-road truck driver from years ago. He would, he, he would, if they got stuck in the, on the driveway, he would, he would come right up to the driveway. Why did you stop there? <laughs> and they would just like, Ooh! you know, that was, that was the way he was. He liked to have fun with people. Well, that, there was that side of him, but he, he died tragically. Yeah, it was an accident. But out of courtesy, he was, he was working for a company. We heard this on the news. He was working for a company, and he had, a, he had a, one of those long trucks, you know, with gravel. And I think he had it lifted and was loaded. And he was either, either unloading it or I think he was unloading it. And he ought of courtesy to let another truck go by. He jackknifed the truck, you know, backed up, and the truck fell over and crushed him. I'm thinking, wow. He was doing something out of kindness, but it cost him his life. I had his, I had his memorial. All that I could think about was the talks that we had. That's what I hung on to. And that God was doing something in his word. I don't know why that happened. We, we don't even, you know, we can't even go there. But there's still what is important. It's still something in my soul and my spirit. God looks upon people they can look coarse on the outside. They can look harsh. They can seem to be rough on the edges. But deep down inside, there can be a tenderness that God sees, sees right into their heart. 
soul. And that's what God's calling us to render that part of us, that's all of us, that's within us, that deep down inside we know that life could be snatched away, life could come to an end in a moment, but yet we are ready. We are ready to meet him. Not looking out in this life just to satisfy our own self and not going to this life just to try to somehow squeeze everything out of this life and try to be happy that way, but rather Jesus said those who are givers are the happiest people, full of blessed to give than to receive. And so we learn that what is it that God is looking for? What, what does God elevate? What does God lift up? What gets the attention of the heart of the Lord? when he sees servants, when he sees people that are walking in humility. So on one side we have the pride, the Pharisee that was very proud, that was very caught up in what he has accomplished, that is almost like saying, look God what I have done, look what, look what I've done, oh my goodness, I, re- I, need, I need a reward, I need a, a recognition. It isn't that the similarity of Satan himself who was kicked out of heaven, thrown down with a third of the angels. His problem was the very thing that we're talking about. Pride. Wanting to take the place of God. Saying, I don't need God. I can do it. Pride is basically saying, I don't need help. But humility is saying, I need all the help I can get. I know my weaknesses. But you know what? I know a Savior that understands my weaknesses, and in spite of my weaknesses, he still calls me. He still wants to use you and I, even in our uh, our frailties, even in our our unknowingness, and, and sometimes we We feel lack of confidence, inability. But, oh God, as this man cried, be merciful to me, a sinner. He saw himself as one as in need. He saw himself as one who could not save himself. He saw himself as he admitted that he was a sinner. It moved the heart of God. And then Jesus acknowledges this one. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled. But he who humbles himself shall be exalted. I don't know about you, but I want to humble myself now, or God may just humble me anyway. To humble oneself before the Lord is to recognize that we cannot save ourselves, that we recognize that we cannot accomplish anything. We recognize that we cannot even keep the faith or run the race. You remember when God saved Paul, Saul later to be Paul. He's the guy, boss of Paul, that God chose. While he was still uttering threats, muttering under his breath, 
these crazy Christians, we got to get rid of them. He was very religious. He was actually a Pharisee himself at one time. He was trained in the law. But what happens if we get pharisaical? It's a danger that we start to replace religion. Religion becomes our God rather than God. There's a lot of religions in the world. There's a lot of religious people in the world. But there's only one true God. And he's the one that saves them. So when Paul writes later after salvation, and by this time he's been used by God to minister in the book of Philippians chapter 2, Jesus chose to empty himself. He draws from the example of Jesus himself. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8. We read there that the example, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he did not take advantage of his position in heaven, but rather he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which was not an honorable death. It was a death for a sinner. Knowing that, stepping out of heaven, stepping down to earth, he humbles himself, he he allows himself to be clothed in humanity, and go through all the temptations and all the weaknesses and experience this life so that he later would know every heart and understand every temptation to man. And we'll fight this till Jesus takes us home. We will fight the flesh. We will fight the old man in us that needs to be crucified daily. That we don't want to pray sometimes like we should. Sometimes the flesh doesn't want to give like it should. The flesh needs to be crucified. And therefore, over and over again, we look back on the name of Jesus and see everyone that looks to Jesus is looking in the right direction. Everyone who sees Jesus is on the right path. When we compare ourselves with others, that's sort of, well, not probably the best thing. When we compare ourselves to Jesus. Can I be more like Jesus? Can I be like him as he was with his disciples? Can I be like him when he was with the crowds? Can I be like him when he was in his secret place? Can I be like Jesus? Paul wrote these words to the church. A little further over in Philippians chapter 4, this great verse, we've all quoted it. Probably I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. Knowing where your strength is. Remember when the man called Samson was called by God and he was endued with supernatural power and such a strong person. Yet, pride. Crept in somewhere along the line, and he began to look 
want what he saw. Little by little, subtly, he began to get become deceived and he was no longer even in fellowship with God. And the saddest, one of the saddest verses, all scripture. It says the Spirit of God left him. He was entrapped. He was deceived. He let, he flirted with the world, and it cost him. When we ever, when we, whenever we begin to think that we don't need God, we're on a slippery slope, right? Pride is saying, well, I'm pretty good at this. I can do this. But humility is, I need you, Lord. Samson had one more chance. God is merciful. Amen? It cost him his life, but he prayed a prayer, Lord, strengthen me one more time for the vengeance for my eyes. And God did it. God strengthened him. I have to believe that God honored Samson. Only God knows the heart. And everyone that is going through this life there is potential for every person to be saved when they cry out in their last breath. If it's the last breath, even in the last breath, be merciful to me. The thief on the cross, remember me. That's encouragement to me. Well, we have loved ones we probably would love to see them, their faith kick in and Don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're praying and believing. Back now to the conclusion with Philippians chapter 3. Spent quite a bit of time here. Paul was going to the list, so to speak, about kind of like a, a resume. And what he was saying, it really doesn't matter. What I've learned, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Look, look at this. Everything else really isn't that important if, it, if I'm not seeking the Lord. Verse 9, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. The thought comes to me, 
Remember when Jesus was talking about um, those who prophesied in his name? Remember when Jesus said, I don't know you. Depart from me. We, we know that the enemy is a deceiver. And he will try to deceive us in thinking that if he can, thinking that we can do things in our own strength when it comes to the kingdom work. But we got to, wait a minute. We know that we know that we cannot do one thing unless I'm tied into the vine, unless I'm drawing from him. I cannot make any difference. I'm just an ordinary man, as our friend the missionary friend, remember him? The name slips my mind. The white poem twist. Remember when he said this? I'm an ordinary man serving an extraordinary God. He was a humble man. I think of other missionaries. Calvin Olson. Never wanted, I don't think he ever wanted to be in the spotlight one moment. When he spoke, it was utterly because God had called him. A man of prayer closed himself in with God to intercede. What gets the attention of God is humility. Understanding that it is the Lord who our job is to exalt the Lord. Our job is to humble ourselves, acknowledge our need, And leave it in his hands. Cast your cares upon him. Paul said it himself in that same chapter 3 of Philippians. I have not arrived. That's my own translation. What he's saying is, verse 12, not that I have already obtained it. None of us have arrived. That's good news. We're in process. We're a work in process. I have, I've, I haven't become perfect. Or I haven't. I'm not there yet, but I press on. In other words, even though I, I'm not there yet, I'm striving and I'm pressing on, and I'm forgetting. You know what holds people back? A lot of times, is this. They can't get over the past. I've done too many bad things. God would never hear my prayer. What holds people back? Excuses like, God's so busy, he would never, never take my prayer. There are people that walk, like, walk in, in that feeling. But God is not that way. He hears the prayer of the smallest humility, smallest child, or the oldest adult. Be merciful to me. That's good news. There's a chance. You may have a loved one. You've been praying for it. God, get a hold of their heart. 
Maybe it's a young person. Maybe it's an older person. But you know what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep humbling yourself. Keep bringing their name to the throne. You know what? We're never to be strangers to God. Keep, keep going. As long as we have breath, God gives us another day, let's fight this battle. Let's stay in the fight. Let's keep the faith. Let's humble ourselves. Let's acknowledge him.